Explore presents a reading from Strangers Like Angels with a devil or two to boot by Alec and Jan Foreman. Chapter 36 In the Shadow of Annapurna, 5th to the 11th of December 1977, Nepal. I opened the heavy back door and climbed down out of the Land Rover. Away in the distance, the soft amber glow of the rising sun lit up the field of bright yellow flowered mustard plants nestled at the foot of the Himalayan range. Standing with outstretched arms, palms raised to the sky, I breathed in the fresh mountain air. Good morning, Nepal. It's so good to be here. Who's there? inquired Alec as he dressed inside the Land Rover. Oh, no one yet. I'm just thinking out loud. After breakfast, observed by a group of young children, a few teenage boys and several girls, each carrying a baby. We stashed away our overnight stuff and then began the day's journey. Interestingly, we observed that the Nepalese drivers were particularly courteous and this we really appreciated. At Batwal, we stopped to pay a road tax and bought some fresh, juicy tangerines from a young girl at the roadside. Leaving the flat plains behind, we soon reached the foothills of the mountains. It was wonderful to be back in hilly countryside once again. There were charming one- and two-storey thatched mud houses, painted white at the top and orange at the bottom. Thatched open-fronted barns, made of wood, provided shelter for their animals, with a closed fodder storage level above. The warm and friendly, round-faced Nepalese people welcomed us. The women were dressed in short-sleeved blouses that left a bare midriff, a straight wrap-around skirt and a long cloth bound several times around their middle like a cummerbund. They enjoyed wearing jewellery, including nose rings. The men wore shirts with shorts or trousers or wrap-around skirts and on their heads they had a traditional hat known as a Dakar Topi. We gained height as the Land Rovers climbed steadily along the winding tarmac road into the mountains. It was rough in places and partly missing in others where landslides had washed away much of the road. Spectacular scenery, green forested mountainsides, deep valleys, snaking rivers and wherever possible the land was terraced to grow crops. There were red-leafed trees like giant poinsettias that gladdened the heart. On sighting our first snowy peak in the distance, we four stopped at a village tea house. The tea was made in a saucepan on a mud cooker with a wood fire burning underneath. It was spiced with ginger and served in spotlessly clean glasses. A pregnant lady, along with her elderly mother-in-law, ran the orderly tea house. The latter reprimanded Alec, who 
who sat leaning back, balanced on just one leg of the stool. A tut-tut-tutting with a pointed, wagging finger put him in his place like a naughty little schoolboy. With tea being a penny, a glass, who were we to be offended? Another road tax was paid before we entered Pokhara, the big town set deep in the Himalayas, overlooked by the imposing peaks of Annapurna and Machapucha. We ventured first to Hotel Snowland, where Jean-Luc collected a written message from his brother Jean-Marc, who also happened to be travelling in Nepal at the same time. We enjoyed yummy apple custard pie and banana custard pie with tea at the hotel. There was a small kiosk across the road where wonderful loaves of brown bread and rounds of hard cheese were on sale. An immediate purchase was made. The Nepalese farmers had been taught well by the Swiss and had established a successful cheese production industry. The good milking cows had originated in the Alps and thrived in their new mountain home. By early afternoon we had made camp at the peaceful, idyllic lakeside in Pokhara on an expanse of flat grassland underneath the boughs of several tall, mature trees. We awoke before six the next morning to watch the sun rise behind the clearly defined mountains. We were not the only ones to be up so early. An English couple, travelling in their blue transit van, came over to see us. Good morning. I'm Robert and this is Genevieve. Would you by any chance be going to Kathmandu today? Our van's big end's gone and I need to go and collect the spare part being sent from England. No, sorry. We only arrived here yesterday and want to explore the area. Alec replied. Have you checked out if there's a local bus? Yes, that may be my best option, Robert said and they walked away in their quandary. So, Alec, how does brown bread, boiled eggs, a chunk of hard cheese, my homemade mango jam and a coffee sound for this morning's breakfast? Scrumptious, I can't wait. At ten, Jean-Luc Martin, Alec and I set off to walk through the town, calling first at the tourist office, where we found brochures on trekking. Strangely, no maps. The main street was very long, with two- and three-storey brick-built houses and shops either side. It took us five hours to walk from the lake all the way to the end of the street and back again. One shop sold frozen chicken, pork and mutton, plus fresh cheese and butter. We checked in at a few of the cafes for snacks and tea throughout the day. The road also took us near the perimeter of the runway at the airport. We watched a Twin Otter aircraft take off and soar steeply over the mountain peaks in its striking fashion. The sound of the familiar PT-6 engine stirred distant memories of Alec's first love of Twin Otters from his Antarctic days. On the way back to the lake, we called in at Hotel Snowland for Jean-Luc to meet his brother. They had a joyous reunion after being apart for nine months. A celebration meal in the restaurant was enjoyed as we all discussed plans to trek in the mountains.
The next morning, we moved the two Land Rovers close to the blue transit van for security, as Genevieve was waiting for Robert to return from his mission to Kathmandu. I packed our rucksacks with some basic supplies, food, sleeping bag, loo roll, torch, extra warm clothes, etc. We slung these onto our backs and set out at noon, the five of us, including Jean-Marc. The first part of the walk was along a path between fields on the flat lands surrounding the lake. As the path took an upward incline, I found the rucksack uncomfortable as it hung heavily on my shoulders. They were cheap khaki canvas rucksacks that we bought for such a day, but we soon realised in no way were we equipped for any serious trekking. Part of the climb was steep and winding, while another section had steps cut out of the natural rock, and then further on easier gentle slopes. Eventually we reached Sarankot to see the picturesque view of Pokhara Valley and the surrounding mountains enhanced by the warm colours of the setting sun. There was a hotel with a restaurant open, but we chose to stay with a local who had a stone hut we could rent for the night. The cost of one night's lodging included supper. Go, girl, go! cheered on one of the other travellers who had joined us as the Nepalese family's teenage daughter chased the chicken deemed for the pot. I wasn't sure if it was the teenager or the chicken he was rooting for. Jim, an Australian, and his Devonshire girlfriend, Hilary, were travelling from Australia to England by public transport. We enjoyed the meal of rice, chicken and vegetables, served in huge tin dishes and eaten with our hands. Second and third helpings were offered too. Surely not all from that scrawny, flighty bird. Jim, Hilary and Jean-Marc smoked cannabis after the meal. The wooden plank bed for Alec and me was even narrower than the one in our Land Rover. It was supported on four short legs and had a straw-filled sack for a mattress. Being wary of any bounding, biting bugs, we cast the itchy mattress aside. Jean-Luc and Martine and Jean-Marc pushed the other two beds together and shared the hut with us. Our sleeping bags gave little respite from the cold December night, thus sleep was sporadic. It was a relief to rise early the next morning after such an uncomfortable night. We packed our rucksacks and hiked the final leg to the highest point at 5,223 feet. Unfortunately, we saw little of any view as the mountains were shrouded in clouds as dawn broke. Alec and I enjoyed our tasty breakfast picnic of brown bread, cheese, tomatoes, boiled egg, plus rum fudge and chocolate from the Antarctic rations. After eating, the seven of us left together to walk back to Pokhara, going down a trail of natural rock steps which led to the flooded rice paddy fields below. We reached our vehicles by lunchtime and enjoyed a restful, lazy afternoon. The following day we spent at base, catching up on chores that are essential whether you live in a house or in a Land Rover. Whilst I washed clothes, having collected the necessary water from the lake, 
Alec cleaned and adjusted the petrol cooker. He needed to stop the flame burning yellow and leaving a nasty black soot residue on the outside of pans and our whistling kettle. A right messy botheration all round. Hence I'd called the attention of my handyman to sort the trouble out. Robert returned from Kathmandu and was busy repairing their van with the necessary spare parts. Jean-Luc was working on replacing a broken spring leaf on his Land Rover. It was a peaceful, pleasant day at the campsite. Welcome traders selling bread, tangerines and papaya came on by, walking on the soft green grass. The tranquil waters of the lake reflected the foothills and the majestic mountain giants. Feet, feet, Jean-Luc, screamed Martine. We all turned and ran to their Land Rover. The heavy beast had fallen off the jack and Jean-Luc was underneath. Ça va, ça va, je ne suis pas blessé. Jean-Luc reassured everyone he was unhurt as he pulled himself out from underneath the vehicle, escaping its deadly weight. It was a valuable lesson to us all to make sure one's vehicle was securely raised before working beneath it. We sighed with relief as we returned to our chores. In the evening, we were all back at Hotel Snowland to enjoy the menu of the day, spring rolls and sweet and sour pork with fried rice. Why cook in the Land Rover when the meals at the hotel restaurant were really inexpensive, yet so tasty and with extra big helpings? I set the alarm to wake real early the next morning as Alec was keen to see if we could catch a good clear sunrise and we were in luck. We drove through the town to a viewpoint that enabled us to capture the soft pink blush on the snow peaks of Annapurna and Machu Picchu as the sun rose. We parked overlooking a gorge way down below the turquoise waters of the meandering river flowed between the rocky cliff walls. Our early morning venture gave us a good appetite for breakfast, which we ate as we read to the end of the book of Genesis in our Bible. Jacob's son Joseph was quite a man. Even though he became an important and rich leader in Egypt, he always looked to God to lead him. Back at the campsite, we prepared to drive on to Kathmandu later that day and Alec washed the Land Rover at the lakeside. We arranged with Jean-Luc and Martin where we would next meet in the capital. While we enjoyed having travel companions, we loved the sense of freedom when it was just the two of us. The day's drive of 136 miles along the excellent tarmac road, built and funded with Chinese assistance, was a breeze. The enchanting countryside was captivating all the way lush green foothills with terraced fields. The river flowed along the valley floor and banana trees flourished here and there. Villagers harvested their crops and their cows trampled on the heads of corn to release the grain. Others ploughed the land in readiness for the next season. The thatched terracotta farmhouses looked neat and well cared for. An occasional truck and overcrowded bus were the only other road users. As the road began to climb, 
twisting and turning with a few tight hairpin bends, we travelled through the hilly countryside. Nearing our destination, we ascended to an escarpment and saw stretched out before us the valley of the city of Kathmandu. Filled with excitement, we drove through the outskirts and ventured into the centre to find the general post office. Twenty-three letters and Christmas cards were given to us. We eagerly located the tourist camp, parked up, put the kettle on and sat enthralled with news from home. To be sure, it was a day to celebrate, especially when we discovered that my brother Paul had become engaged to his girlfriend Joanne on the 5th of November, Guy Fawkes Night. Total distance driven, 30,458 miles. You've been listening to a reading from Strangers Like Angels with a Devil or Two to Boot by Alec and Jan Foreman, presented by Explore More. Explore More is an adventure lifestyle brand founded on the 1977 travel stories of Alec and Jan Foreman with a passion to inspire people to explore more of the world, engage with others and embrace global cultures to ensure a greater understanding for each other and enable positive progression. Discover great products and more on exploremore.com. That's E-X-P-L-M-O-R-E dot com.